misinformation. People like sharing it. All out of money. Perhaps we did raise people's expectations. And no jab, no pay. If you don't want to vaccinate your child, don't take taxpayers' money. Kia ora and welcome to One News Inside Parliament. It's a political catch-up where we discuss all of the stories we've been covering at Parliament this week. I'm Mikey Sherman. And I'm Benedict Collins. And we kick straight into our pits and our peaks. I'll start us off. Uh, my peak this week, and it's actually coming up, but it's the Luxon versus Loheni battle for botany, uh, which will be happening in botany on Monday coming. So keep an eye out for that. But basically, Christopher Luxon... Um, is obviously wanting to put up his hand um, for the candidate for botany and he's going up against current MP Agnes Loheni uh, so it's basically the caucus member versus the well-known in New Zealand former outgoing in New Zealand chief executive so uh, it'll be a real sort of decider to see whether uh, John Key's boy gets it or whether the caucus gives a sneaky middle finger uh, to the to the establishment. Whether the botany electorate does, <laughs> or whether the botany yeah, electorate yeah. does, yeah. but uh, yeah, 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 the you caucus in Luxon, some ways by you, chucking up their their lady. Yeah, do you think Luxon's a heavy favourite? Oh, I mean, when you've got the backing of uh, former uh, golden leader Sir John Key, uh, you surely have to be, you know, right up there with the uh, constituents of, of the electorate. And remember, of course, Simon Bridges was saying, you know, when it was first sort of rumoured that Luxon might be standing for national, you know, he's going on about national being the party of talent, the party of talent, sort of repeatedly. Um, and then know. we saw that talent pop up there, uh, even even though it was only a slight pop up, but pop up in the preferred Prime Minister ratings quickly thereafter in the One News Comma Brunton poll so obviously there is some popularity there so it'd be interesting to see how it goes because Agnes Loheni um, herself has proven to be quite talented and, and, and strong coming in even though she's a newbie we saw her um, deliver some really sort of powerful speeches in the euthanasia um, bill for example so uh, you know I think it'll be a good competition. Mm. Yeah. And two quite quite religious candidates as and well. Two quite religious you candidates. Know, um, so. And the botany, well, two of the front runners. Are there others as well? Um, there were actually more than five because they had to go through uh, sort of the first rounds um, of sort of, uh, uh, you know, meet the candidates and then they whittled it down to a group of five. So there's five of them going for the, for the job, um, for the role. And um, yeah, so this coming Monday, they'll have the final sort of candidates, meet the candidates discussion with the delegates of the botany electorate and then they'll hold a second meeting later that evening um, where the media will be present and they'll sort of announce the um, the, vict- the victor. Mm. Yeah. And, and from Mikey's um, peak there to a bit of a bit of a pit, um, they've called off APEC that was supposed to be happening in Chile in a couple of weeks' time uh, due to mass protests there. Now those protests they kicked off. I think they like hyped the fear the metro fears for people, and it just um, the Chileans just started basically a bit of an uprising over the the fears. And pretty quickly the president there he he, he reversed that hike, and then I think he increased social welfare benefits. He increased uh, you know other measures. I think it was the pension as well to try and calm things down but people have just gone nuts um, they had like a million people uh, at the weekend out in Santiago protesting that was a peaceful one there um, but that was 5% of the entire country's population protesting the president went and sacked quite a few members of his cabinet but it's just not um, quietening down over there um, and we actually did a track on it that you can check out on the um, One News Now website uh, like just quite incredible scenes of you yeah know, the pictures pe- in your story yeah just, just people rioting and um, 
you, you look at some of the vehicles that the like authorities have over there, which sort of drive through the crowds and are pumping tear gas out from behind into the into Big the crowd as they go. Big bulls on the front too. Yeah, yeah, and people just hurling stuff at them is you know just kind of phenomenal and to watch. And it kicked off on the on the uh, rise in the bus fare. Yeah, and I or just, the, and I, just I think, think the subway fare. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I just think, well, what if that happened here in Wellington with the old bus stuff ups here? If we, if we saw mass protest like that, <laughs> could have the, yeah. the bus routes down in Wellington but, here got so stuffed up recently um, that you know we could have seen something. But it was something, it was something like small that. that just tipped them, tipped yeah. them over the edge, right? It, just and, the representation and, you know, for of the, inequality for there, the, eh? Yeah, but for the last week, I've kind of been thinking because I was supposed to be going to over to APEC to cover it. Um, but the last week, I've been thinking, ah, you'd be crazy to bring in all the world's leaders to bring in, you know, Donald Trump and people like that into a situation which is already so volatile. And yeah, yesterday they they called it off. Bugger. Mm. Mm. No uh, South America for me. Speaking of buggers, another one coming up. Some more political popcorn, if you like, happening next week in uh, Auckland when Winston Peters goes head to head with a few uh, other political uh, heavyweights, yes, <laughs> uh, including yeah. Paula Bennett and uh, and Tolly and Peter Hughes in there as well. Over and Brendan Brendan Boyle, oh, I think Brendan from Boyle. the MST, and all yeah. over the um the leaking, the leaking of, of his super superannuation overpayments. So yeah. get, get your political popcorn out, folks. That'll be happening in Auckland next week. Yeah, and I kind of wonder. I don't. I don't know whether he'll, um, whether Winston's going to be able to, you know, identify the culprit if indeed, you know, it was any of them that actually leaked it. But I suspect he's just going to try and prove that MSD spread this information so far and why deliberately knowing that it was going to be leaked. I imagine that'll be his plan of attack. But um, yeah, pretty, you know, enormous cost to the taxpayers who are paying for all the. Uh, Peters is covering his own um, uh, legal fees, but the taxpayer's picking up the cost for all the others. Um, for what was, I think, an $18,000 overpayment over you know, over quite a few years that Mr. Peters paid back as soon as <coughs> you know they alerted him to the fact that he'd been overpaid. Um, <coughs> you know, I, I suspect it could run into the millions. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Right. Okay, well, on that note, let's take a look at our first track, which is on a misinformation unit being set up within the Ministry of Justice. While voters sift through the political rhetoric at next year's general election... The choice we make in 2020 is going to be crucial. Sorting out misinformation on cannabis and euthanasia will be the job of a new unit within the Ministry of Justice. The risk of misinformation of people getting their facts wrong is very high. We need to sort of be alert to that. The unit will be the first of its kind, charged with identifying deliberately misleading information, but National is already questioning its neutrality. Our view is that they are there to push the government's line. Uh, We would be much more comfortable if this was being done by someone that's truly independent. Nick Smith says the Electoral Commission should be responsible. The Justice Ministry's mandate is to follow government policy. We think the government's got an agenda. I know Nick Smith has has criticised public servants before. He's had to apologise for the criticisms he made of public servants before. The debate over misinformation saw Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey announce a ban on political advertising on its platform today, saying paid ads hold power, which brings significant risks to politics 
districts where it can be used to influence votes. Obviously, a number of different jurisdictions, a number of countries are dealing with misinformation. Misinformation played a big part in the 2016 US election as well as the Brexit vote. And with two emotive issues likely to be taken to a referendum here next year, the public will need to be on high alert. Misinformation spreads so easily because people like sharing it. That's uh, the long and short of it. So trying to combat that kind of flood of information is really difficult. A difficult job as Kiwi voters tackle some big issues. So really interesting to see um, this uh, little unit set up ahead of what is likely to be two referendums alongside the general election next year on cannabis and euthanasia. Um, basically these are two highly charged issues. We've seen them very divisive here at Parliament. So you can only imagine um, what it'll be like once it gets out into the public. Although actually previously we've sort of spoken about that maybe it's more divisive here in Parliament than it is actually um, in the public and we sort of point to our poll on that showing, you know, there's these kind of 70% odd support for the likes of euthanasia publicly in our, in our One News comma Brunton polls and that. So, I don't know, do you think it'll be as, um, as emotive, as divisive publicly? Well, yeah, I'm not quite sure how this unit is really going to work mm. because by the time you've made a, you know, you put false information out there, um, you know, or, or made bogus claims, it spreads so quickly. And I I wonder how quickly a unit of bureaucrats is going to be able to respond, you know, and fact check and, and, you know, and weigh in on politically charged topics, which, you know, bureaucrats aren't normally inclined inclined to want to do very And I doubt this unit will be too big. I'd say it'll be like a handful of people. I I, I don't think it'll be this sort of massive uh, team of people scouring. No, and you can imagine on, on, on some issues it's going to take them, Day, a while just days to, to respond and by that time that you know it's been out there or whatever and, and yeah. I think you know especially on cannabis I think you look at some of the debates we've already had where you have groups like Family First citing research um, that you know from the US that they all say proves one thing and then um, you know you, you have Chloe Swarbrick or other people like um, you know the blogger and journalist Russell Brown sort of attacking the, the research that they cite. You know, it, it's, it's quite a minefield when it mm. comes to, you know, the sorts of studies that people are going to be quoting, the claims they make. And I was also thinking, just when you were talking before, um, you know, on the abortion issue as well, just even what we've seen recently with in, in select committees and some of the claims like you've seen Sir Bill English coming out and saying, oh, you know, this is, you know, legitimising abortions right up to the 39-week mark. And you get other people going, well, you know, well, that would only ever be in, you know, an incredible medical emergency, right? Mm. So you, misinformation or, or contested facts are you know, all around these sort of issues, Speaking right? Speaking of uh, MPs or former MPs um, uh, uh, contributing to the spread of misinformation, we've had that a few times with a couple of our, our MPs um, retweeting articles which have been proven to be um, fake news or, or you yeah. know, um, incorrect. And, and I think back to the article on euthanasia, actually, there was this article going around about a Dutch girl um, had been um, euthanised um, because she suffered from you know, depression and, and so on. And so you had the likes of Maggie Barry and Chris Pink, I think, who are very much sort of anti-euthanasia. They retweeted this story um, only to be told by, um, you know, a couple of journalists that it was actually misinformation, it was incorrect. And so, you know, even our MPs get fall into the trap at times of sort of reading something on the internet that thinking that it's true. And, yeah, yeah. That supports their view, retweeting it, um, but it's actually um, incorrect and misleading. 
things. So, yeah, a big job there for um, the Ministry of Justice. Interesting to note Nick Smith's yeah. huge criticism there, saying that they don't trust the Ministry of Justice officials um, and that they would have preferred it to be someone like an independent judge or even the Electoral Commission. Yeah, and what was Nick Smith, you were talking in the office before, he made another point about, you know, well, sort of what is misinformation? What was the what was he, the Labour Party policy? He was saying that you could even argue that the Labour Party's policy on Kiwi Build was misinformation because they made all these promises and then it didn't come true. So that was a bit funny. He mentioned that in the interview. Yeah. Um, so, and and yeah. did you, what do you make of his concerns? You know, that this, this unit could just kind of run the government's line, right? Oh, I don't know. Um, we interviewed a um, senior media lecturer from the University of Victoria yesterday. He said while those concerns are legitimate, um, he personally didn't think um, that, that there was much concern there because it would be a transparent and open process from the Ministry of Justice. And then you obviously had Andrew Little. And I really enjoy sort of uh, Andrew Little and um, the likes of Nick Smith because they're both pretty much straight shooters. And we've seen that a bit in recent weeks from the minister in particular. But they basically call it how it is. And Andrew Little was quick to come back and say, um, hey, Nick Smith has criticised um, officials in the past and he's had to also come back and apologise for that criticism. So I wouldn't trust Nick Smith to be um, the best sort of judge um, when it comes to officials and, and sort of being biased or, uh, or neutral, etc. So Yeah, good yeah. to see them both putting the boot into one another, isn't <laughs> I it? I love it. <laughs> yeah. Mm. All right. What have you been working on this week? Uh, so we've had a... Um, should we do the gumboot? Should we do the... Um, historical track? Actually, let's look back at that first because we've got a historical track on this issue of uh, misinformation um, and it's from 1999 and it's the National Party being criticised for encouraging donations to an unsecured website. Take a look at this. This was the website being criticised last week. No crap aimed at young people and not making it clear that it's actually a National Party site. Now, there's trouble with National's attempt to raise money on the web. Which is a great idea, but sadly it's, it's completely insecure. And uh, I wouldn't recommend putting your credit card details on that website at all because there is no security whatsoever to stop anybody um, having a look at what you've written. Sites can have the option of being secure in the sense you pay a lot of money to make it even more secure, but the security of the site is just no different than a whole lot of other transactions like checks in the mail. Seeking donations online is common in the States. But National's the only party to try it here. In fact, New Zealand parties take a conservative approach to the internet. We need to be very clear that large sections of New Zealand cannot access the internet. We still don't hold the view that this is the primary source of information. I wouldn't say it's any more important than direct mail. I wouldn't say it's any more important than the postcards that we're doing. But compared to the usual electioneering, the net does have advantages for parties and punters alike. It allows you to get your message out unfiltered, so you're not sort of battling with battling with uh, print journalists and opinion pieces and so forth. It's a very democratising process. It means that people can get as much information as they want. It also means they're more accountable, of course. So you can uh, you can say, well, on your website it says that your policy on employment is this, yet you're not doing that. But not one of the major parties thinks the internet alone can change voters' minds. Although the Alliance says it is changing how it spends money. Because of the way in which we've been able to communicate rapidly with our candidates and save wealth as a paper. However, National's donation site doesn't seem to have changed how its supporters spend their money. Whether or not because it's unsecured, no one so far has chosen to give money to National online. 
story I had a look at this week. Um, Mike King's, uh, he's got a charity, I Am Hope, but he's also got his Gumboot, um, Gumboot Friday and the Gumboot Fund. It helps raise money so that people can, um, children can access uh, counselling services. But they've run into a, a bit of a bit of a problem, bit of a headache. Uh, they ran out of money very, very suddenly. Have a look at this track. Free counselling for kids, a cause many Kiwis are keen to support. But just six months after the annual Gumboot Friday fundraiser, the pot's empty. Perhaps we did raise people's expectations because we ran out of money. Demand for the service had been steady until an enormous spike last month sent costs through the roof. That drained the fund completely and no one could see that coming. You know, from 120,000 to 940,000, you know, it, it took everyone by surprise. The charity's not totally sure what went down. We investigated and it seems that doctors started referring their patients to our fund. I can't be 100% sure. Anecdotal evidence, you know, phone calls to people, you know, so, you know, it seems is a good answer. Regardless, with an empty kitty, councillors using the Gumboot Fund are having to come up with new plans. Certainly with high-risk people such as suicide and self-harm, there's no way that I'm going to stop therapy suddenly. So I'm offering different things like sliding scales. More than 900 8 to 11 year olds received counselling last month according to figures provided to One News by Mike King today. And the region with the highest demand was Otago and by a considerable margin. And there's concern about what this could mean for children receiving support. The therapeutic relationship, particularly with young people, is just so, so, so important. So a sense of abandonment around therapy could be quite damaging. The government's considering helping out. I know that uh, Mike King's trust is in conversation with the ministry. They're having close conversations and uh, I'm confident that they'll find a way of supporting people. We've got positive vibes coming back from the government. But for good vibes to turn into a taxpayer top-up, first they'll need to get to the bottom of what happened last month. So a couple of things really stood out for me about this track. One, um, Mike King gave us some analytics from the Gumboot Fund showing the um, children that this was helping, and just huge numbers. I think it was about 900 um, 8 to 11-year-olds, and 400 under-8s had um, received counselling, um, you know, had applied gone through the Gumboot Fund, which gets them access more quickly um, to councillors than having to wait through the uh, public fund. But it did seem to me that Mike King and the charity are not entirely sure what happened in September. So they've been tracking along 100, you know, so they raised, I think, 1.3 million on Gumboot Friday this year. They've been tracking along one um, 120,000, 120,000, 120,000, and then all of a sudden just 940. And uh, um, we, we, we did the interview up in Auckland with him, and he said, oh, it seems, um, it, it really seems that... Um, you know, doctors have just started referring more and more people towards our service rather than into the public um, service. And, and our reporter who picked up the interview for us in Auckland said, what do you mean it seems? And he said, oh, you know, well, that's what politicians say. And she kind of kept pushing him on it. And, and he, he basically eventually said, well, we're not 100% sure. I've made some phone calls um, and really I'm just covering my ass. Um, and... So it does seem to me like they're not sure what's going on. So I think Mike King is quite confident that the government's going to come in 
and give them more money to help them keep going until next year's Gumboot Fund. But I think they're going to want to have an audit to figure out, and I'm sure he'd want to too, just to make sure that, you know, something's not amiss here or, or that, you know, I don't you know that they're not getting scammed in some way or something's going on, just to have that sort of eightfold jump from 100 to over 900 thousand you know in a month and for them not to be entirely sure what's going on yeah that seems absolutely astonishing and I think if the government is going to step in and provide some sort of financial support however large um, in the interim to next April when the next sort of round of that gumboot fundraising kicks in um, then they absolutely do need to call in the um, auditor and I'm surprised that that wasn't one of the first calls that Mike King made when he speaks about you know sort of making these calls and getting this anecdotal evidence I just think if you're dealing with over a million dollars in public donations, people putting their faith into this kaupapa and to you, then you owe it to um, them and also to the patients um, who have now had that funding sort of dried up um, to get to the bottom of it and get to the bottom of it quickly. And I don't think a couple of phone calls is probably good enough. Um, obviously not to take away at all from the great work that Mike King does and the foundation is doing um, and, and we can see the importance of it with those numbers that you mention, but it's just so um, shocking to have such a huge jump in costs that naturally you'd want to get to the bottom of it. Another quite interesting thing with the analytics that he gave us too was showing that the the, the area of biggest demand for the Gumboot Fund was actually Otago. You know, which um, it had a lot, it had significantly more demand than Auckland, despite you know the difference in size in the regions. So I'm not, you know, I, I didn't realise until after the interview, that, you know, there's this huge demand in Otago. I'd be interested to try and find out, you know, what what's driving that there. Interesting also to note that next um, Gumboot Fund round or fundraising round, they're going to go for five million dollars. So um, in in sort of April this year, they set a target of two million. They didn't quite hit that. They got to one point three, um, and now they're saying next year they want to go to five million. They obviously though need to put in more sort of parameters, more checks and balances um, around how that fund is accessed and how it's dished out. Um, as to avoid any sort of repeat of what we've seen here because like they mentioned in your track it's not just that the funding has ran out but it's the harm that that can cause um, to those clients who are currently undergoing treatment you know if the fund runs out then it's up to the therapist or the counsellor to sort of keep going with them free of charge which a lot of them are doing and I commend them for doing that um, because they talk about the sort of real risk to those young people when you just stopped uh, stop abruptly the sessions that you're having with them because the money's run out. Yeah, and another interesting thing, part of the uh, Greens Confidence and Supply Agreement with the government, of course, um, was to actually have, you know, fast, you know, fast prompt mental health services available for young people and and free, I think, for under 25s. So, you know, this is, you know, Mike King's coming in here and, and you know, he makes that point as well, Plugging kind of providing, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're providing a service because the government isn't fast enough at doing it itself, right? Um, and, and getting young kids help. And then on the flip side, you could argue that this, the running out of this funding is, is just the realities that government and Ministry of Health and, and sort of other service providers are having to deal with that. It's just, it's actually really tricky and the demand is so, such that you just can't keep up, which is causing those sort of uh, 13, 14 week um, wait periods in the in the first instance. But see how it goes and see what the Ministry of Health comes up with in terms of yeah, you know coming, coming to the aid um, in the interim. Yeah. Another big talking point 
this this week, um, the National Party and, and gangs and their um, yes. immunisations. Hey, they um, they launched their um, what is it, social development yeah, talk, social talking services. policies or yeah. discussion document this week. It was really interesting. Mikey did this track. Let's have a look. National's black and white approach to social Actually, services quite literal today. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Under the spotlight, anti-vaxxers. The evidence is out and it's clear. So if you don't want to vaccinate your child, well, here's the thing, don't take taxpayers' money. No jab, no benefit, just one policy being considered by the party. The reality is there is no good reason not to immunise your child uh, in 2019. 2019 seeming a million miles away from 2012 when National ruled out benefit cuts concerned then that it would breach the Bill of Rights. The reality is the Bill of Rights is not meant to be a handcuff uh, on governments to make decisions. The idea uh, of punishing children because their parents refuse to immunise those children, again, it's just dog whistling. Gangs were also on the hit list today. We think it's right to take this strong stand on gangs. Under National, gang members would need to prove they don't receive illegal income to get a benefit. We're not going to allow patch gang members to both collect the dole uh, and also have their ill-gotten gains. That's not on. Simon talks about hating gangs and hate is an emotion. It's not a good basis for policy. National is also promising to reinstate sanctions on benefits and is seeking feedback on whether the dole should include a six-month time limit for under 25-year-olds. We don't want them sitting at home just on PlayStation or smoking pot. That's not on and it's not good for them. It's nothing new. We've heard the same old lines from the National Party for a long time. They've done nothing about it. We are doing stuff about it. National back to its old playbook on beneficiaries and hoping it'll win over new voters. So no jab, no pay there from Simon Bridges. That was really interesting and an, I'd say a little bit off script, I think, from the from the old national leader there. We weren't really expecting him to go as strong or as specific um, because this, in these discussion documents, and this is for background, this is the fifth discussion document that the National Party has put out on its sort of policy areas and as, as Benedict mentioned, this one will be looking into the um, social services area. So um, they put this out. Um, Half of it is, um, you know, policy that they've decided on, they're going to campaign on, and then half of it are some ideas that they throw up and they want feedback on, and then they'll decide whether they sort of make that a party policy. One of those ideas that they threw up um, is this immunisation, whether, um, you know, and it was specifically targeting solo parents, and we'll come back to that because that's interesting in itself, um, but this was a, an idea, and for an idea um, that they're throwing up asking for feedback on, for, for Bridges to come out so strong with his opinion saying um, you know no no jab no pay um, it's 2019 you know these these the evidence is out it's clear I thought it was really interesting when you're sort of asking for feedback on something but actually you're giving such a firm position um, and it kind of looks like the party position even though technically you haven't actually nailed that down um, but yeah really interesting always gets the people going this topic of immunizations doesn't it so yeah well you know you, I, I kind of sit there and you think well, hey, maybe it's you know, but you, know, you want people to be immunised. Maybe it's a you know, a good idea. But why would you just restrict it to solo beneficiaries or beneficiaries? solo solo parents or beneficiaries? Why wouldn't you say, hey, you know, teachers and nurses and schools, and yeah, politicians, um, you know, maybe you should, don't deserve to get paid unless you've unless your kids have been immunised as well, right? You, you could take that 
that policy position and roll it out across anyone, you know, or you could pick up um, uh, public money. Yeah, or you could pick up Dr. Lance O'Sullivan's idea was that um, a higher tax rate. Um, for people who don't immunise their children. If you wanted to take that approach, then take it all the way. Don't just sort of single out beneficiaries. And on that, they they did um, uh, single out solo parents in that policy discussion document, which I thought was really weird. Um, So basically they said, hey, we want your thoughts on um, whether solo parents um, should um, have their benefits cut if they don't immunise their children. And I thought, why are you targeting solo parents? If you're going to make a rule, just make it for beneficiaries. Why why are you singling out single parents? I thought that was a bit Mm. weird too. Yeah. Um, But some other issues in this uh, discussion document, obviously the uh, True Blue Nats crackdown on gangs. Um, You know, so that's another interesting topic. What did you think about that? Yeah, so so if if they can't prove that they don't have assets... How does it work exactly? If they can't prove that they don't have it, assets but, that they haven't got legally, then they don't get. Yeah, the benefit, so Simon right? Bridges is basically saying we're going to crack, da- crack down on gang members double dipping. Um, so you you can't get get the dole and also keep your ill-gotten benefits, um, your ill-gotten gains. I think is the his little slogan that he was using there. Yeah, you you do wonder what sort of resources you'd have to put into the Ministry of Social Development for them to be able to, you know, asset check, um, you know, every gang member and how, you know how do you define a gang member all those you know it seems like you're creating a lot of work yes because people. i did contact the ministry of social development and they actually don't monitor which of their clients are gang members so that's a starting point so you'd have to you'd have to first of all start t- noting down which of your members um, or which of your clients at MSD are gang members so that's the first step in the in the extra workload but in saying that this extra workload cuz uh, you know tax evaders versus beneficiary frauds. Um, interestingly enough, um, tax evasion is 40 times higher in New Zealand than benefit fraud. Um, and yet, if you look at prosecutions around uh, sort of average on, on year on year, around a 1,000 beneficiaries are investigated for fraud each year and only around 80 tax evaders, even though tax evaders are 40 times more likely to yeah, rip off the system. Beneficiaries are also vastly more likely to be sent to prison for um, committing so, fraud on a much smaller so scale I mean, as well. But we did do um, the National Party's economic discussion document paper a couple months back. I don't recall seeing any sort of crackdown policies on um, tax evaders though. Maybe we need to check that. But yeah. uh, stark contrast there. But also on the no jab, no pay <laughs> you do wonder, I, I do wonder you know, the National MP Maureen Pugh has said in the past that she supports parents making their own choices about whether or not to vaccinate their kids, um, you know, if, if you're going to go along those lines and sort of say it's okay not to vaccinate, should you get paid as an MP, do you think? Mm, interesting. Might need to put that to her. Um, the other interesting thing, though, there there were a few gems uh, in, in this discussion document, though. Uh, one, of course, but, you know, when you come down with the, with the big sort of uh, uh, hammer... Uh, the, the noise the of the, the yep. sledgehammer, the noise kind of uh, drowns out all of the other all of the other good stuff. But one of the good stuff is that um, National proposing to make um, paid parental leave a little bit more flexible, um, and that you can split um, the paid parental leave and take it at the same time, so mum and dad can be off at the same time receiving that paid parental leave, as opposed to one um, having to take it or the other. Um, so I think that will probably go down well with voters. Um, and the other thing also is that they're asking. Um, 
um, whether there should be a time limit on the dole for under 25 year olds to maybe around six months um, you know and Simon Bridges there talking on that track about you know not wanting young people to sit at home on, on the Playstation and smoke pot um, that old line, eh? That old I, line, I, I, yeah. Which, which um, Stuart Nash did say he was like, ah, oh, these are these are reheated policies. Shane Jones has been talking about nefs on the couch for a while, and Willie Jackson has been doing mana and mahi. So, yeah, interesting, interesting. We uh, discussion document there from the National Party this week. Mm, got got lots of people talking, didn't it? Yes. Mm. Alrighty, is that us? I, I think, think that's is. us. So we'll leave you here. Uh, this was One News Inside Parliament, our weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering. We're on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. It's available around this time each week on One News Now and check us out on your favourite podcasting app. Bye. Yeah.